Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Let me introduce you to a stone-cold assassin. Her name was Freddie Overstegen. She had long, dark hair, which she typically wore in braids. A girl-next-door look that made her less suspicious to her enemy, the Nazis. One minute, she was seducing them. The next, she'd pull a gun from her bicycle basket and execute them. In the annals of the Nazi resistance, there were few others quite like Freddie, who passed away in early September, a day shy of her 93rd birthday. Among those she worked with were her older sister, Truis. Another was a law student with fiery red hair. Taking up arms against Nazi occupiers and Dutch traitors on the outskirts of Amsterdam, they sabotaged bridges and rail lines with dynamite. They shot Nazis while riding their bikes. They donned disguises to smuggle Jewish children out of concentration camps. Freddie. She was at her best seducing targets in taverns or bars. She'd invite them for a stroll in the forest, and then, in her words, she liquidated them. We had to do it, she once said. It was a necessary evil, killing those who betrayed the good people. When asked, how many people she had killed or helped kill, she replied, one should not ask a soldier any of that. Freddy Nanda Overstegen was born in the Dutch village of Schouten in 1925. Her parents divorced when she was a child, and she and her sister were raised primarily by their mother, a communist who instilled in them a sense of of social responsibility. Though they were poor and slept on makeshift mattresses, the girls made dolls for children suffering in the Spanish Civil War and volunteered for an organization helping political prisoners. Early on during World War II, the family harbored refugees from Germany and Amsterdam, including a Jewish couple and a mother and son who lived in their attic. After German forces invaded the Netherlands in May 1940, the Jews were taken to another location, deported and murdered, Freddie said. The experience haunted her and filled her with anger. She and her sister began their resistance careers by distributing pamphlets and hanging anti-Nazi posters. Their efforts apparently attracted the attention of an underground resistance group, which invited them to join. Mom said yes. They learned to sabotage bridges and railways and to fire guns. By Truis's account, it was Freddie who became the first to shoot and kill someone. They cried about it afterward. They weren't murderers, but they felt a responsibility to assassinate Nazis. Freddie said it was a source of pride and pain, a five-year experience that she never regretted, but still it haunted her. Late at night, unable to fall asleep, she sometimes recalled the words of an old battle song that served as an anthem for her and her sister. We have carried the best to their graves, torn and fired at, beaten till the blood ran, surrounded by the executioners on the scaffold and jail, 
but the raging of the enemy doesn't frighten us. After the war, Trish became an artist. She died in 2016. In an interview with Vice, Freddie said she coped with the trauma of the war by getting married and having babies. She lived a quiet, peaceful life. She enjoyed her grandchildren, but death was almost always on her mind. In interviews, Freddie often spoke of the physics of killing, not the feel of the trigger or the kick of the gun, but the inevitable collapse that followed. Her victims fall to the ground. And what is inside us at such a moment, she said in the Dutch newspaper, you want to help them get up. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Harrison Smith for reporting the story for the Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.